I was tall, athletic, with a brand new NFL contract, but my life decisions were killing me. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we'll be talking about the good life, as people call it, the dream of being drafted into the NFL, where you're treated like a God. But will this lifestyle fulfill your every dream? Today, we will have Fred Stokes, who had that life, lived it, and said that he learned that it isn't all what people think and that a life as a committed Christian is more fulfilling compared to his life before, where he would have temptation galore, women would be throwing themselves at him, and after everything, he felt so unfulfilled. Fred, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me, brother. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Well, Fred, it's an honor to have you. I mean, you're a good friend of mine, and you're also a Super Bowl champion, which people are like, that's amazing, you know? And now today, you are an assistant pastor, which is like, why on earth would someone do that is what a lot of people would ask. So, how can you go from like Super Bowl champion to just like being an assistant pastor? Well, actually, it's a long, short road. It's something that I, not the pastor part on, but I knew from years ago, even when I was small, that there was something that I was missing in my life. Uh And I tried to fill it with a lot of different things. I mean, as I say, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. And it's almost a process of elimination, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me try this. Okay, I'll try drugs, see if that fulfills me. Nope, I'll try girls. Okay, I'll try sex, you know, different things. And eventually, man, you just get tired of butting your head against the wall and you go, okay, what do you want from me? (laughs) Wow. Well, Fred, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. I understand that you didn't come from the glam and fam life. You actually came from living in what you call the projects. Tell us the contrast compared to how you felt later being the main man in the NFL. Well, I was. I was going to a 15-year-old girl. My mom was 14 years old when she got pregnant with me. Wow. Kind of the common thing. The boy meets girl. Boy falls in love with girl. They have sex, whatever. Yeah. And then after the baby comes, it's all of a sudden like, I don't know who you are. Oh. And my dad was no different. I mean, his parents sent him to the military. Oh. My mom stayed back and raised a young boy by herself as a teenager initially. Wow. But there was more. And I always tell people that there's always a plan that's bigger than what we can see. Yeah. And I know people hear that all the time. Well, there's a plan. There's a plan. What plan? Well, you know, sometimes you don't get a chance to see that plan until you look back. But growing up in Georgia, small town in Georgia called Vidalia, well known for sweet onions. My mom was there, my grandmother, my dad's great aunt and uncle, their neighbors. And they actually ended up raising me for the early part of my life out in the country. Wow. So my mom had help. I mean, she didn't do it by herself, but she had help. Hmm. And then I just kind of went from there, man. It just kind of went from there. But you did grow up without your father. Your father was just completely absent from your young life. Is that right? 
Yeah, you know, I knew who he was on. I knew that he was a pastor. My granddad was a pastor. On my father's side, they were the church family. I mean, everybody knew them in town. And they had singers and pastors and preachers in that family. So they were the well-to-do, well-known family, if you will. And I think that had a lot to do with whether my grandmother, my dad's mother, wanted to admit the fact that their oldest son had gotten my mother pregnant. And so that whole watch was there. But the thing I always tell people on is that my mother never said a bad word about my dad not being there. She didn't muddy mm. the waters, if you will. Right. So she didn't taint my relationship with my dad. And I knew who he was because he was a pastor. He'd come to town with his wife and their kids. And every so often he'd see me at church or somewhere and go, how are you doing? You know, that casual generic stuff. How's you doing? How are your grades? Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I wasn't accepted in their family. Well, Fred, I understand that when you were younger, at the age of 11, you became a Christian and you gave your life to Christ. Why? Well, I mentioned earlier that my dad's aunt and uncle, which was my great aunt and uncle, Uncle Jim and Aunt Georgia, came and really took me in and helped my mother raise me. They took Mm -hmm. me out into their home, which was farther out in the country. I mean, I used to tell people I lived in the country and we spell it (laughs) K-U-N-T-R-E, country. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just like it sounds, country, you know. Yeah. But it was a mile and a half down a dirt road. It was all woods. It was a very small house where we didn't have a bathroom inside. They had, you know, a living room, a bedroom, a kitchen, and there was not a bathroom indoors. But they really set the stage and set the tone for me and my faith. We went to church every Sunday. My great aunt would pray every single day. She would walk off by herself about the middle of the day and go somewhere and pray. Sometimes I would ride my tricycle or walk or throw rocks and go with her. Hmm. But she set the tone for my faith. And so by the time I was 11, I was at the church and I just heard the message on. And I mean, you hear messages all the time. I mean, I'm sure that people go to church every day or every week and you hear the message. But something happened that particular day. And it was like, okay, I hear a different voice. And it was a voice calling me you know, out, if you will. And I walked out in front of the church. I stood at the altar crying in tears, 11-year-old kid, 11, 12-year-old kid. And I'm crying and saying, God, I want to invite you into my heart. And I felt different. You know what I'm saying? I Mm -hmm. didn't get any taller. I didn't change color, skin color, but I felt different. And I knew that there was something different in my heart. That's amazing. But when you got older, you would say that you turned your back on God. How so? Well, I'd say I turned my back in terms of wanting to be connected to the church, if you will, Mm. through just a series of events. And my mom being mom, she controlled my life. I'm still a teenager. I'm 11, 12, 13 growing up. And so she could tell me where to go, when to go, and how long to be there. Mm. And I believe, negatively speaking, that that was kind of a way for me not to go to church. I had to do homework. Mm. I had to do chores, you know, and those type things. And she wasn't in the church. So that wasn't something that she considered primary. I see. And so it's like, you don't need to go to church. You don't need to be there all the time, you know, yada, yada, yada. And slowly but surely on, I tell people this, if you stand next to a fire, the closer you are to the fire, the more you can benefit from that fire. The farther you get away from that fire, the less effect it has on you. Mm. And that's what I was. When I was in the church, I was next to the fire. I was close to God. I felt this presence. And then just by not going and not going and not going and not going, my lifestyle changed. I began to talk differently. I dressed differently. Mm. I hung out with a different crowd. Almost like the concept on you hear the frog in the water. Yeah. When the water gets warmer, incrementally speaking, yeah. and the frog thinks he's in a jacuzzi. <laughs> and by the time he realizes he's in a pot of boiling water, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late, right? So I'm thinking, I'm in a jacuzzi, man. It's like, oh, no, I'm in a boiling pot of water. 
Yeah. So before the NFL, I understand that you're always a soft-hearted person, but you started getting into alcohol and drugs in order to loosen yourself up in order to talk to people when you went to parties. Tell us what ended up happening when things went a little too far. Well, you know what? I'm still that person. I mean, I used to hear guys would say, nice guys finish last and all that kind of stuff. I think what my mother did was she raised myself and my two younger sisters to respect everybody. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, all of those things. So I was raised in that regard. Mm -hmm. But the part about what you're asking about being polite and shy, I mean, I was a party guy. I could be the light of the room. I could be very loud and very active. But when it came time to talking to girls in terms of wanting yeah. them to be with me and dating, that was the issue. And uh. I just felt more relaxed, just like everybody, I'm sure, that drank alcohol, smoked dope or whatever they do. What they call on is like, I need something to take the edge off. Right. And right. taking the edge off became getting drunk and getting high. Initially, it started, I just need to take the edge off. And then it went from just taking the edge off to just being totally wasted. Wow. And then from being wasted, probably making poor decisions from there, relationally, being with girls, that kind of stuff. Because girls, you know, especially as you're heading towards your NFL career, I mean, you did find yourself in those situations where people were throwing themselves at you quite a bit, correct? Well, I think what happens is it's amazing how People, not just girls, but people recognize status, titles, and positions. Yeah. Right? It's like there are some singers out there who I know don't look good. They're ugly. But because <laughs> they can sing, girls are like, oh, I love him. It's awesome. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, same yeah. Way. I mean, so as you get up and you get into the ranks of either a title or funds and finances. And so I was a part of that clique. Mm. I was in a group that was a popular group in high school, a group of guys. I was very athletic. But yeah, man, it became something that I was looking for. And then it changed into something that I despised Mm -hmm. because I was hating the fact that I was using and abusing not just drugs and alcohol, but I was using and abusing women. Right, right. Fred, let's stop there. I want to hear how really bad it got in our next show. And I understand that you came to a point of having whatever and whomever you wanted, but it still wasn't enough. Fred, thanks so much for being with us on our show. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I look forward to the next time. Yes, sir. Hold on. There's still more. I want to dive deeper into what you just heard right after the break. Listen, my friend, you are in a spiritual battle, and there's a spiritual battle right now for the soul of our nation. The Bible says we overcome the power of the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And friend, I need your help spreading this show to all 50 states all across the USA. And that takes money to broadcast in each city. You can help by being a stable monthly giver of our ministry, Awakening the Nations. We are a ministry who's committed to preaching the gospel all across the world. Partner by going to awakeningthenations.com and we believe America shall be saved. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show, where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, I have to stop a bit and think about how Fred grew up not having much, always worrying whether his family would make it or not, and then to live the life with all the money and the glam, the glory, and all the fame in the NFL. (laughs) It must have been so unbelievably euphoric. But it is surprising to me that even that wasn't fulfilling in his life. 
it seems like it was all a trick, like a false hope of having this utopia on this earth. Does this deception exist for all of us normal non-NFL people? The answer is yes, it does. This is the same temptation that Satan, the enemy of God, tried to tempt even the Son of God with. It's written in Matthew 4, 8 through 9. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. You see, Satan has this need and desire for people to fall down and worship him instead of the true creator. He has this sick plan to cause the peoples of this earth to love him more than they love God. It's kind of like this jealousy thing. But his sellout is like a bribe. This bribe still exists today. As you can see, Fred experienced that. And spiritually, you can see it was empty. He got what he wanted, but it wasn't what he wanted. It's like the treasure crumbled before his eyes as he was getting it. How about you? Have you had this temptation before you? Did you give in to some type of temptation when you wanted more? And so you gave in to something that wasn't God? Let's just take a moment to realize this and let's take a moment to reject that. Father God, I'm praying for the person right now who's saying, gosh, I've taken that up in my life. I've taken in and given in to that temptation. Lord Jesus, we repent from that and we turn to you, the loving God, the Lord Almighty, where you are loved, Lord Jesus. We just surrender our lives to you now in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to awakeningthenations.com and click guest audition on the top menu. See you next time.